Hey, y'all, before we even get into this review, I just want to thank everyone who has been listening or has planned on listening or has been listening since the first episode. It's all much appreciated, and I just wanted to thank you for your support. So, thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to and welcome back to the Critique and Chill podcast. As always, it's your host, Cadence. And in this episode, I'm going to be going over Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan is an eight-issue storyline of the Wolverine ongoing series of comics that ran from 2003 to 2009. The storyline itself was published in 2008 and it ended in 2009 and was written by the big homie Mark Miller and his tag team partner Steve McNiven for the art. This story is dope. It's entertaining, it's dark, it's gruesome, and it's very well written, despite a few missteps that just are there because it's a comic book, and it's really just a beautiful read overall. And it's even provided a lot of the inspiration for the film Logan. The story of Old Man Logan is one where all the villains get organized, and they overthrow the superheroes, with the only exceptions being the Hulk who becomes a supervillain landlord, Hawkeye who is blind, senile, and delusional, Emma Frost, who survives by marrying Dr. Doom, and Wolverine, who's a pacifist who has not popped his claws in 50 years since the event where the supervillains killed the superheroes. We start off with Logan running a farm. He's no longer by going, going by Wolverine, and like I said, he hasn't popped his claws in years. He lives on the farm with the, well, his wife and his kids, and he's living in the part of the U.S. where the Hulk and his inbred family own it. And... This is where the story gets weird. The Hulk apparently went crazy, and he decided that the only person who could take the pace of having his children would be his cousin, Jenny She-Hulk. That's why they're all inbred. And that's where the story starts to do a lot of world building and let the plot take a backseat. Because for the most part, the plot is actually straightforward. Logan needs some rent, because the Hulk said if you don't give us double in two weeks, then we're going to put you and your fam out of commission. But the way that the events happen, along with the small pieces, work together, it makes the world seem very lost and hopeless, while at the same time making Wolverine incredibly vulnerable and broken, and it all just clicks well together. It makes you wonder what happened 50 years ago to make Logan so passive when we know that he's one of the most savage fighters in the the Marvel Universe. As for those small pieces I mentioned earlier, They are what makes this world so immersive. It's extremely well thought out, and for the most part, it makes complete sense. The first example of this is when Hawkeye and Logan stop at a place called Hammer Falls, the place where Thor fought his last dance against Magneto and Absorbing Man. As an avid reader, that works perfectly. Magneto can control metal, so he can just take Thor's hammer and put it out of commission, while Absorbing Man can just absorb the Uru metal that the hammer is made from and essentially beat Thor at his own game, which makes it kind of seem like they were playing a game of Keep Away, where Magneto took the hammer, Absorbing Man became the hammer, essentially, and started laying the knuckles on Thor. Another example of this is when you find out what happens to Logan. It starts off with Logan and Jubilee sitting down trying to figure out what's going on, because this is during the event where the supervillains take over. And at this point, the whole, a lot of villains just siege the X-Mansion. And Wolverine's like, well, I know what I gotta do. I'm Logan. I'm finna start throwing them. And he tells all the kids to leave or whatever. And he starts just murking A-listers. Mr. Sinister, Omega Red, Dr. Octopus, Sabretooth. But at that moment, when he finally kills the last one, he it turns out that Mysterio used his illusions to make 
all of the X-Men appear like villains. So this whole time he had been killing his whole squad. As a person who really delves in the comic books, this makes complete sense to me. Because at this point, you got Magneto dealing with Thor, so he can't just focus on Wolverine. And there's not too many people who could put Wolverine down by themselves, let alone with a squad. So the villains were like, instead of taking the fight to Wolverine, let's take the fight out of him by making him so distraught from the stress and the trauma of killing his friends. Afterwards, Logan walks the forest for hours, and he tries to take his own life, and it doesn't work, but it does enough to make him remember it, and it effectively kills the Wolverine persona. In the next segment, we're going to get more into the nuances in the story, but here's a quick interlude. Alright y'all, right back into it. The absolute best part of this book tends to be the subtlety and its refusal to play all its best cards at once, and in some cases at all. We actually don't get to see any of the big battles or the deaths of the heroes, we're just kinda left with the world as it is. And it puts us in the same space as the characters to be forced to accept what we have and with no hopes of changing it. The artwork is great, but that this is coming from the dude who did Civil War, so of course it is. To wrap up the story, essentially it's Hawkeye knows that Logan needs some money, Hawkeye needs to make a delivery, and Logan's like, well, I'm gonna just be the navigator. Through the way, Hawkeye's daughter decapitates the kingpin with a shotgun, and she's like, I'm the new kingpin, so kill my dad, and we meet uh, uh, the Ghost Riders, a motorcycle biker gang with flaming bikes, and there's a dinosaur who gets caught by the symbiote, and we meet Emma Frost and Black Bolt, all this crazy shit. But then... When they finally get to where their destination is, it's towards the East Coast. It's a place called New Babylon, which is clearly over Times Square in New York, of course. And this is where Hawkeye was told to make the delivery. It turns out the delivery was 50 or so vials of the Super Soldier Serum. And he was tasked with bringing it to the resistance or that's what he thought turns out the resistance was shield working for the red skull so at that point they ice hawkeye and they think they kill wolverine but it's wolverine so of course he doesn't die but because of his old age his healing factor isn't what it used to be so he's knocked out by the bullets they take him to red skull's trophy room where red skull is just admiring the head and shoulders of beast and captain america's shield and all the the weapons and body parts of the heroes that they dismembered and murdered and he's even wearing captain america's suit it's very creepy but it, it really opens your eyes to red skull's character to kind of how petty he is it's like wow you got all this and you just wanted to wear his suit and i know it's not he just wanted to wear the suit but it's it's just jarring to see that he did all this and in the end he's still that guy the the i want to be him dude so then Wolverine wakes up and he's like, you see Red Skull, I'm going to need that bread for my family, so we're going to have to throw him, we're going to have to let me go. Red Skull turns out to have super strength now, he beats the brakes off of Wolverine, he throws him through a trophy case, Wolverine takes Captain America's shield and decapitates Red Skull. It's clean, it's dope. Then Wolverine hacks the Iron Man armor using his Avengers voice code and flies the remaining pieces to 
California where his family's at. But when he gets there with the money, turns out the Hulks killed his family just because they got bored. But it also is revealed that the Hulk himself, Bruce Banner, got tired of being a supervillain and wanted a real deal fight just like how him and Logan used to have in the old days. At this point, Logan pops the claws again, his hands are bloody because he ain't he hasn't popped the claws in a minute, and it's just it's time to go. So he proceeds to murk the whole Hulk clan. He dismembers them, he's running through entire legions of them, he straps bombs to them and kills all, all of them, leaving only three remaining. One named Billy Bob Banner, I believe, and Bruce and Bruce Jr., the baby. This is where he starts to fight the Hulk. Turns out Bruce Banner now has super strength without going in the Hulk form, and even when he turns into Hulk form, he's a lot bigger than he's ever been, but he's fat. In this fight, Hulk eats Wolverine, but 12 hours later, of course, Wolverine rips through the Hulk's stomach, kills him, leaves the dude Billy Bob Banner alive and takes his clothes and is like, well, now that all the Hulks are gone, I'm going to take Bruce Jr., I'm going to raise him, we finna make a new super team, and we finna set it off. And that's the end of the book. The story in this book is so good and there's so much I left out because to anybody who didn't read it, you really should just go and check it out. It's very much worth your time and it's available on Comixology. So if it sounds like you'd be interested in a nine-year-old example of comic excellence, then go ahead and go check it out. As for this podcast episode, I just want to thank everybody for being here. I know this was kind of a rocky episode. I'm going through something at the moment, but I really just appreciate anybody's time and everybody's time for that matter thank you also don't forget to go and follow me at critique chill on twitter that's where i'm gonna be making all announcements and doing polls and such when i get a big enough fan base so just be sure to do that if you're interested in future content